This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This week, the Clarets take a trip to Craven Cottage with the express intention of maintaining their Premier League status. This is the Non and Ever podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Known and Ever podcast and gentlemen, drum roll, survival party. Woo! I am your host Natalie Bromley and joining me this week are regular panellists Rich and Tom. Gentlemen, let's celebrate the end of the season. We are safe. Welcome both. Good evening all. Evening Natalie. Are you finally confident we're going to stay up? I can confirm, Tom, that I am no longer worried about West Brom, <laughs> which I think was a, which feels like a long time ago, was probably only a couple of weeks ago. Um, listeners, we are, of course, celebrating that win 2-0 away from home on Monday night. Um, a very superior performance by the Clarets, one absolutely full of experience and professionalism, and they just went to Fulham and got the job done. Um Rich, going into the game, did you have any concerns at all or any fears that we would do anything other than win? Oh, I think that's a you always have concern going into every game, but I would say the more is I was I was I was confident. Um, you know, I felt before the game it, it wasn't as big as a game as on you know the the actual game that we played Fulham at Turf Mall early on in the season because I thought even if we lose six points is still you know a lot with three games left. But yeah, I was confident. You know, we you know we went there, uh, we would go there and get something. We was a little bit not negative, not the right word, but a little bit more defensive than maybe we've been in recent games in the first twenty minutes. You know, we didn't kind of go hell for leather. I noticed our midfield was sitting a little bit deeper. Maybe they didn't press as much early on, and then we grew into the game more and more. And you know what? Second half, I was probably the most calm I've been all season watching a game. I felt, yeah, don't get me wrong, Enguiza at the bar, but I felt we looked really comfortable. They never looked like scoring, you know, they struggled to score anyway, and we just looked in, in complete control. And, um, you know, we've, we've, we've done that many a times. So, and, yeah, it was just a really, really enjoyable second half to, you know, to secure our Premier League safety. Yeah, definitely. Well, Tom, you've been our voice of reason for 
about 25 years now. <laughs> Obviously, definitely on the podcast all season, you've not panicked and you've very much been in the dash school of thought that it's going to be right and everything will be fine. Um, so I know you definitely weren't that concerned going into the game. But I think it really struck me when we played them, the gulf in between the two sides and just the naivety that Fulham perhaps showed and, and maybe that was just one of the factors as to why they were in the position we they were and we were in the one we were. Yeah, so uh, you heard the the pundits talking sort of before and after the game. Is there's like as long as Dice is the manager from the outside, there's just sort of no feeling that we're ever in trouble, that we're ever going to go down. You can see year on year as we've been in the league, we've we've obviously signed players who've got more Premier League experience, but we've also obviously the players that we had when we came up have, have got that experience now themselves. We've got that bit of game management. We've got that now, so we can defend well and sit in when we need to. That second half, I mean, uh, obviously we went in with the 2-0 lead and you could see it was like um, in Scooby-Doo, you know, when Scrappy-Doo's uh, swinging his arms and they just put their hand on him. Uh, you can't get near him. It was like that. <laughs> they could have played till Christmas and they wouldn't have scored because we were just so in control of that second half. We just had that, that bit of physicality, a bit of nous, solid. And, uh, and yeah, we're going in at 2-0, there can't have been anyone who thought we were going to let that 2-0 lead slip. Although I didn't jinx it on Twitter this time, so maybe that's why as well. Yeah, that's true. There's been a few points this season where we've had to have a word with you, Tom, and just say, like, oh, stop it. Um, there's a few comments, Rich, during the game where a lot of people were suggesting that this team kind of looked like they were a little bit dead on their feet at times. It's been a really long old slog of a season, and it's been quite an uncomfortable one as well. So... Do you, know, do you think it is just the manager's influence or do you think we've just... What, during that game? Finger on what it is. During that game? Yeah, I, I saw, yeah I, saw, I saw quite a few comments on social media. People suggested the team looked like they were absent knackered. Just, I'm not going to name their names. So oh, know. what, pundits or fans? <laughs> no, I wasn't digging. No, they're not fans. What, our fans? Fans. Oh, right, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I thought you were going to ask me then. No, 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 no. I just didn't um, know yeah, where no. you was going from. I thought it was the pundits you meant and the media side of it. No, fans. Okay. And I think, I think that was maybe a bit unjustified because to me, I thought, actually, they looked kind of a cut above full and they looked quite oh. fit and quite... Like, well, no, I don't. I don't agree with that at all. You, you could probably see by my surprise with the questions I'm asking. You're back. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, listen. Second half, we didn't pass the ball around like Barcelona, but we 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 didn't have to. We had, the, you know, we had the job done. I'm, you know, I'm almost glad we played that. You know, we played that well uh, that way. Sorry, and was a little bit more defensive. Like I say, Anguissa at the bar, and that was only because Lowton tried to take on people on the edge of his own box, and I imagine he got a telling yeah. off. You know, for like the time, you know, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a complete professional performance. We literally had to play well for 20 minutes in that first half where we, where we turned the pressure up, scored two goals, could have scored a few more. I know Vidra had a shot where he just went over the bar. I think it was in injury time or very close to in the first half. Yeah, it was just a yeah. fully professional performance. You know, there's probably been other times in the season, you know, when we had that really heavy game schedule and we had injuries where we, you know, look dead on our feet a little bit, but not last night. You know, it'd be interesting to know what you two think. No, I agree. Um, we, I don't know how many games uh, we've had where we've just had not a midweek game and we've started to get players back fitting into the squad. We've, you know, our performance levels and our energy levels do have, have seemed to be higher since then. Um, I don't know if that's a coincidence, but it can't be. So I think that stands us in good stead for next year's season when we get back to that more normal game schedule. 
Hello, Natalie's cat, by the way. I know. Sorry, listeners, but my cat just came to gate crash the party. It wants to t- it wants to tell you that. Uh, in fact, yeah, my, my cat wants to ask you, Tom. Uh, we had a tweet. We had a tweet coming from uh, one of our listeners when we were doing this, the the podcast uh, prep from Paul. I'm going to say Terreri. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. Who said, "Now that it's finally over, can you please get Tom Claret to honestly admit he was at least a little bit worried about Fulham all along?" I don't think we're going to get that, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'll put my hand up and say that part of my uh, disdain for Fulham was the fact that Richard did like them for a bit, so I felt like I had to, uh, <laughs> I had to what I was saying. But I think, to be fair, I've been pretty right. They had a bit of a, a spell in the middle of the season where you know they, they, they put a few draws together, but they've, they're, they're not a good team. You know, I mean, the, the game on Monday night, you know, they, they never looked like scoring. Well, we, you know, we, we when we pressed them, felt like Richard said for that twenty minutes, we were just absolutely battering, and they, they looked terrified every time we came at them. Mm. If we'd have wanted to get out of second gear in that in that second half, if we'd have wanted to score a couple more, we could have done easily. They they run out of ideas in yeah, in February, you know, and uh, five wins all season. It, it tells the story. I've, I, 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 I never have thought that that we were. I might have thought we'd go down, but I never thought we'd finish above West Brom or for, or so that we wouldn't finish above West Brom or for them. So, yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, yeah. no, no qualms admitting that. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, Paul. You know, not going to make it happen. Um, Rich, Tom's been talking there about just that domination in, in front of goal, and, and it resulted in two incredibly good goals. And we've talked quite a bit on the podcast over the last few weeks about a, a desire to open up the game a little bit from Burnley and maybe not sit too far back and have that freedom to play a little bit more confident, to create more chances, even if it does mean conceding. Uh, more goals and maybe we feel a bit comfortable doing. And last night was a, a perfect example of that. I'm thinking particularly of that first goal and and particularly Matty Vidra's refusal to give up a dead ball and create that chance was just absolutely superb. That they, they didn't let anything go. I'm going to call my firstborn child Matty, boy or girl. <laughs> he's, no, listen, he's been a breath to me. He's been an absolute breath of fresh air coming into the team this these last... I think he started something like 12 of the last 15 games and I think he's just got better and better, more and more consistent. He's really believing in it, in himself and I think it's massively helped Wood. I think going back to your first point yeah. about us being uh, clinical in front of goal, I think that's what we was lacking early in the season. Don't get me wrong, we wasn't creating full of chances, but, you know, there was times, you know, where maybe Wood included was missing big chances. Can think of when, you know, West Brom away, you missed a big chance. There was another header uh, uh, at home against somebody. Um, but recently, you know, he, he, his obviously confidence has gone up. He's playing, I think these last five or six games is the best he's ever played for Burnley. Um, you know, and hopefully it can be consistent with that now. And I've actually felt, it's, it's interesting what you've what, what you said there, I felt at times we've been a bit too pressing high up the pitch. Like when it works, it looks great and, oh, okay. and you win the ball back. But it, at, at times it's left us horribly exposed. And I think, you know, you go back to that Newcastle game where St. Maximum just kind of, because we pressed high, lost, you know, they beat the press and he scored that goal. So I think it's been good and I think it's been more entertaining to watch. But I think we got the balance against Fulham perfectly right. We settled into the game. You know, we we seem to midfield play a little bit deeper, but the but but we still had that threat of that ball over the top to Vidra, 
um, you know, and, and we cause them a lot of problems. You know, one player I am a fan of in, in, in for Fulham is Anderson. You know, and I've said it, he will be a good replacement for Tarkovsky and there's been some big clubs after him. He literally couldn't cope with Vidra the, the other night. You know, Wood will take the plaudits yeah. and, and, and rightly so. But, um, yeah, I just thought the balance we got against Fulham, I thought it was... You know, you could say maybe a little bit scrappy second half, but I thought it was a really good balanced, you know, Premier League performance where, yeah, you just got the job done. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, actually, is that one. I think I wonder whether when we look to next season with perhaps, um, you know, we are looking at the next stage of, of Burnley's cycle. We've, we've had five years now in the Premier League. What's the next five-year plan? We've got new owners and we're going to have to refresh some of this squad. Um, you know, the, there's probably a balance here where against some of the, the bottom of the table size in the Premier League, you can afford to be a little bit more open and press a bit more. But I think Rich, Rich's right. If you leave yourself so horribly exposed in those situations against the likes of City, United, etc., etc., you're just going to get yourself absolutely hammered. So it's it's an interesting. I wonder whether Dyche has thought about Tom and thought about whether there is a change of our identity going forward for the next phase of our Premier League careers. I guess. I think. Um, oh, I wanted to say before uh, I, I go on to that. You you mentioned the uh, Vidra chasing down the, the lost causes and stuff for that first goal. I think it was a bit harsh to describe that ball from Lowton as a lost cause. Absolutely tremendous pass, seventy yards over the defender. I mean, he had to keep, do a bit of work to keep it in, but that was a superb ball. Like, if, if Van Dijk had played that for Salah. Yeah, that's what I meant by the lost cause, Tom. I meant that it looked like it was going out. Not Yeah, the ball from Lawton was amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair point. But, yeah, some ball out for, 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 from Lawton. Um, but, yeah, so I think um, the, the big thing, as you say, with the, uh, as Rich said, it's about finding the balance. And I think Dyche has talked about finding the balance as well uh, between sort of attacking and defending. Remember when he first came in, his first sort of six mm. months, we were too far. We'd gone from being drawing every game three apiece for Charlie Austin getting a hat trick every week to grinding out nil nil. As you know, the, the balance went a bit too far the other way. And obviously, that what it's about is is getting it right. As as Rich said on uh, on Monday night, that's what we did. Some games this season we haven't one way or the other. Um, you know, some of that's personnel, some of it's formation. Obviously, Man United away, we we went for the five in midfield and maybe that'll be something that he experiments with a bit more in these in these games against the big clubs. It'd be interesting to see if we do something similar uh, against Liverpool uh, next week. Um, but yeah, yeah, and I think probably what the, to evolve the style and to be able to, to find that balance, what we need is is more options and, and that isn't something that we've always had the luxury of this season, especially not, you know, with the injuries that we've had. So, you know, if we do get some more players in, uh, some different kind of players in midfield, I think some of the ones we've got are quite similar. Uh, maybe someone who's a bit more foot on the ball, playing in front of the back four, or maybe uh, someone who's a bit more suited to playing in the hole, then that'll allow you to experiment and tinker with that mid- midfield a little bit. But um, I think, as uh, as Richard said as well, we've, we've been more entertaining to watch these last few weeks, playing with the midfield a bit further up the pitch. So, uh, you know, if we can continue that experiment and maybe buy some midfielders who are, are going to suit that style, then, then it... it it might be something that we can. Uh, sorry, I'm a bit distracted by your cat attacking you again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so that might be something that we can look at for next season. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, with that in mind, then, uh, Tom, do we perhaps have a battle on our hands in the summer to keep a certain Chris Wood at the club? Fifty goals for the club, fourth season in double figures. As uh, I think Borden said in the in the Express at the weekend, uh, sorry after the game, is 
15 million pound price tag now seems ridiculously cheap. I'm a little bit worried now that he's getting a bit too much exposure. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna have the benefit. I think Wood is perceived a similar way to Dyche. Um, there's this perception that it's just a he's just a big lump. Is he just run? You know, he's just uh, there to head it and kick it. Uh, we know that he's a more intelligent player than that. We know that he's improved a lot in the last couple of years as well. But I think the perception from outside is that if you buy Chris Wood, you buy in. You know, uh, <laughs> the very uh, obscure reference, but Ian Ormond Droid is the one that I always think of, like the big. Uh, you know, head on a stick kind of striker, um, <laughs> but you, you know, you're buying that kind of player, uh, and obviously he's got a lot more to his game than that. But I think because there's this outside perception of Wood, and then the other thing that I think will benefit us as well is that his age, so he's 29. If he was 23, 24, then maybe uh, it would a bigger club would be looking to take a punt on him. But I think if you bring him into a club like, let's say, uh, Everton or Leicester, you know, the, the kind of clubs that we look at as the traditional next step up from us, they'll be thinking, why are we buying this bloke? All, all we're going to be doing is kicking it up to his head. So, uh, yeah, I'm quite hopeful that, you know, it'd be nice to touch someone else that would be nice maybe to tie down to another contract. But I think with his age and, and, and the perception of his style, then he's, he's be down the list of players that I'd be worried about someone coming in for this summer. Good, good. That is the answer I wanted to hear, Tom. Always a voice of reason. Um, Rich, obviously, once we'd scored a couple of goals and uh, we looked like we were coasting anyway, despite the nerves all being nice and relaxed, we got, once again, talking points with the ridiculous notion that is VAR. Three talking points. We're going to start with the obvious one, because I know you two are going to debate a couple of the smaller ones before. Please explain to me, Rich, how... Is it Ariola? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. The keeper? Please explain to me how he was still on the pitch after 20, 25 yards outside his area, moves his arm in the ball, and balls, takes Matty Vidra out and still stays on the pitch because apparently he wasn't denying a goal-scoring opportunity. Please explain, Rich, please. Well, you've just got to laugh, haven't you? Because if you don't laugh, you'll actually get really annoyed by it. You know, it's a good job it wasn't maybe nil-nil and more tense. I was just actually like, I think I was like this, just at the telly, like, yeah. like what's, what? what's all that about? And then they did the, and then they did the explanation that he was being covered by the defender. Lamina was on his ass. <laughs> he so was. He was literally <laughs> on his hands and knees on the grass. Please explain He's to me dirt, how. Like, how is he oh. possibly going to cover Matty Vidra not scoring from an open net? I mean... I'm... I could have barely understood if he said it, it was in close proximity. Barely understood it. But because that is a rule. But that that decision was just laughable. And he actually has moved his hand. You know, it's one of them as a goalkeeper. Your natural instinct, not that he ever played in goal or want to, but I presume your natural instinct is to just move your hand towards the ball, which he has done. It's just one of them. Just VAR, look at it, red card, off your pop. You know, you're going down, but uh, yeah, absolutely no idea. I thought all that second half, that VAR man must have been asleep in his shed because he never did nothing. Because <laughs> to me, there was two penalties in the game and a red card. So there we go. There certainly was, but we're going to come on. We're going to come on to the penalties in a moment. Yesterday, uh, yesterday, no, in a moment, we're going to come on to the penalties. Um, Tom, despite despite that red card offence, Dash still seems to be supporting VAR and saying it's a he's a fan of it. But surely, like surely, I'm, I'm assuming you agree with this. But you kind of look at it and think, is there some vague conspiracy to try and keep Fulham in the league here? This is ridiculous. 
it really did look to me like they basically didn't send him off because they felt sorry for him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We can laugh about it now, but like Rich said, say if they... It's say if he'd have stayed on and produced three goals from somewhere and won that game three two and it was I mean they still wouldn't stay up anyway but if it was back in the balance a little bit you could be furious about it and and it's just so obviously yeah you know an incorrect decision and you, you've seen quite a few this season where you know there's been decisions given by VAR that have been overturned subsequently you know red cards and things like Balbuena won the other week for West Ham he sent him off for kicking the ball and it and it's like well if if you're going to slow the game down, get people staring at screens two, three minutes, and the end outcome is you don't know whether you've got the right decision or not, or you're actually changing a correct decision to an incorrect one, it does make you wonder what the point is. And uh, you know, it was it was builders. It's you know, it's only going to overturn clear and obvious errors. It's creating clear and obvious errors now, and and you don't get more clear and obvious than Ariola coming and tipping the ball away from Vidra 25 yards outside his goal, and yet it can't pick that up. So. I've never been a fan and uh, I've not seen anything to change. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. So where, obviously, we'll, we'll look at it again, like I said, we'll look at the penalties as well in a minute because they were both VAR decisions as well. But Tom, generally speaking, how does how does VAR survive the scathing criticism it's had and awful, appalling um, decisions that have, have happened this year? How does it survive for next season? And if it does, how does it rebrand itself? How does it get back into fans' good books? The problem is, um, the, you know, the genie's out of the bottle now. We've brought it in, and, and it's—I don't think it's going to be a case of just being able to click your fingers and, and make it go away. Unfortunately, it's—you know—it's standardised across Europe. A lot of the top leagues are using it, the European competitions. You know, people who, who support it will say, "Well, it's teething problems. It's this. It's that." They'll point to some decisions where, you know, miscarriages of justice have been overturned, like you know, Peters um, clearing that one against Arsenal with his shoulder. You were glad of it then. Um, I think the biggest problem really is the standard of refereeing in, in England is really, really bad. You know, referees will, will make glaringly bad decisions. And the, the problem with the VAR at the minute is perhaps it's not so much the fact that, you know, that, that it's slowing the game down or whatever. The problem is the same bad decision, you, uh, bad refs who get the decisions wrong in the first place are the ones who are, who are arbitrating on it. So the, the only answer really is to improve the quality of refereeing. However you do that, whether you get, um, you know, referees from overseas to come and do the VAR, uh, you know, training up the existing refs we've got, fast-tracking better referees from lower down the pyramid. It's not something that's going to be fixed overnight, unfortunately. But uh, again, I don't think of that we're going to see the AR disappearing overnight either. I think now it's here, it's here to stay, unfortunately, much as I wish that weren't the case. Yeah, true. Well, Rich, let's move on to the two penalties because obviously we 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 hear we feel here at Northern Ever that there were two very clear penalties, one for us and one against us. Let's start with the one that we were denied, which was the foul on was it Westwood or was it Vidra? I can't remember who got took out in the yeah Westwood. Was Westwood. Why don't you talk us through that one to start off with, uh, Rich, and we'll assess that. Yeah, I think I can't remember the exact. It might have been from a corner of a set piece, um, or maybe just just a general crossing to the box, but the ball's bounced back to. Westwood and he's kind of I think he's got to the ball first and Lamina's just completely gone through the back of him and it's not like it's a shoulder to shoulder he's literally gone through the back of him and, and clattered him and one one defense I will say with of the referee on the field I didn't think he did too bad to be really it's just kind of the, the VAR that's not one you you give in real time but when you watch it back a few times you're like you know what that's I think that's a penalty and again I the the problem is with that one, and 
and where I don't mind that with VAR, I don't think there's enough in that to turn it over. I think you'd be giving a lot of penalties if you if you're giving that. And 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 I don't want it to get to a point where, like Tom was saying, you know, if it's you know for ones that probably either way, probably yes, probably no, just stick with the on-field de- decision rather than wasting time. Yeah. The Ariola one, which is blatantly obvious, that's when VAR should should intervene. So I think it was a penalty looking back on it, but you know, to try and be balanced, I can understand why that why that wasn't given and. Uh, like I said, I, I think that we'll, we would be spending a lot of time if we're looking at them de- decisions every game. Yeah, true. Well, Tom, on the flip side, we also think we might have got away with one on the other end of the pitch with Charlie Taylor uh, with slightly a slightly rash foul, which actually, when you replayed that one, maybe looked like there was more in it than the Westwood penalty. What was your views on that one? Well, my views are different uh, to yours and Richard's on this one. Ooh. I think the first, I think the point Richard makes there about whether it's uh, whether it's clear and obvious enough to be overturned, I think that applies more to the, the Taylor one. I think for me than the Westwood one. The Westwood one, I can understand why you, you might think. Okay, talk, talk us through the Westwood one. Yeah, then. sorry. So for me, I can see why you might think that was a coming together. But when you watch it back, and I agree with Richard. Like the first time I saw it, I thought there's not there's not loads in that. It's maybe a free kick on the halfway line, but maybe not enough for a penalty. But when you sit back, the way he jumps, he's not even looking at the ball. He's not even got his. He's not even trying to look at the ball. He's got his face turned away. He's literally jumping at Westwood. He, all he's doing there is he's jumping at him to stop him getting to the ball. So to me, the fact that he's not he's not made any attempt to play the ball there is what that made that a stuck on penalty for me. So I, I would have gone back and changed that one. The Taylor one for me, I think the reason that I I don't feel that was a penalty. I think when you watch it, the impact on that he makes on the player is about the same time as he makes the impact on the ball. So his left leg plays the ball as his right leg comes and sweeps the, the Fulham player's leg. For me, so. I can see why you might think it was a penalty and there's probably, a, if there is a, a difference in, in which one he plays first, it's a, a second or two, it's quite fractional. Um, but for me, the, the reason that wasn't given is because that's not clear and obvious to overturn for me on the day. So I think, to me, he pretty much plays the ball at the same time as he plays the man. The attempt to play the ball is genuine and he does win it as well. So I think it would have been very harsh to to go back and overturn that one, I, I, I don't think you can uh, you can give a foul when he's made as much contact on the ball as he has. But be interested to see what you two think. As we say, I think I was more worried about the. For me, the Taylor one felt like it was more than a penalty. I thought the the Westwood one. I think I, I kind of I'm in camp rich with that one. I think. Um, I, but I think it just flags up again does the Westwood one is that I, I think I agree with Rich with what we're talking about we don't necessarily want those to be penalties but it's consistency that we're after it's like you can't you can't make those judgment calls based on different factors every single game because it just brings an imbalance to the league and it brings an unfairness in terms of the obstacles that teams have got to overcome to be able to get the points on the board yeah I think you know for me for Taylor I actually thought that was a stonewall penalty um, I think we're very lucky. Really? I think we're very lucky. I think Don Goodman's actually someone who I respect in football. He's done the lower leagues. I think he really knows his football. And he just said, you know, Burnley's got away with one, which is which is fair. From my point of view, I thought, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> slow it down a little bit. I actually thought Taylor's gone through the back of the man first to win the ball. I thought he's just gone. I think it's a rash decision because Cavalero, that's his Cavalero, I think he's not, not Cavalio, yeah, Cavalero's bullied him a little bit. And I think in frustration, he's just gone through the back of him first. And unfortunately, now, even if you do win the ball, 
you can't go through the back of somebody. It's just a foul. Um, so yeah. I think we've got away with one there. Um, but yeah, I just think the application of VAR was just par all night. Um, as soon as that, that was one where, similar to the Areola one, when Taylor did that tackle for a penalty straight away, where didn't we, Westwoods? Yeah. Um, so we understand where, where Tom's coming from. It is close, but I just don't think you can tackle like that. Um, I think I've I've come on this podcast and I, I'm, I'm really... But one, one thing with referees' decisions, I'm, I don't think I'm biased with. I'm very objective and I very stick to what the rules are now. And and I think with that Taylor one, he's just, like I said, he's gone through the back of him and, and it's a penalty. Even if it's the same time, you can't tackle from behind even to win the ball. That's just the rules. Yeah. So. Okay. I'm 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 happy. Um I think I feel like I can't really even mediate that. I think you've both given far too much. Again, but who cares? Who cares? I said this to Tom. Yeah, who cares? You know, Tom 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 had you know, Tom I said who cares? You know, we're talking about it, haven't we? And we've got to review it, but it's probably even it's funny because Fulham's got every single VAR decision going their favour this season. So Yeah, they absolutely there we go. Have. Including not losing their keeper, for God's sake! It's like you know, you talk about oh, we should have had a penalty. It's like you should have been down to ten men. Like you should never have, you should never have had that. So yeah, no, I would agree with that. It does. It genuinely. I kind of only said it half in jest. It did genuinely start to feel at one point like there was some conspiracy to keep Fulham in the league. Um, Tom, I can't imagine that you shed too many tears, but um, I felt Scott Parker's exit interview after the game was. Was uncomfortable to watch for one. It was. Uh, I almost wanted to turn off at one point. I, was, I thought he was going to burst into tears. It was horrendous. Uh, he's, he's, every time he speaks, he's just begging for the uh, streets drier eyes to be played over. Any. <laughs> Somebody needs to play the Titanic now. music. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did feel for him because obviously it's not not nice to to have to kind of front up when you've just been relegated. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, he was sort of making the point that maybe the problem had been with the recruitment um, rather than uh, necessarily what he'd done. Um, and, I think, and I wonder maybe how much he's thinking about the fact that he does have this, uh, in my opinion, slightly overinflated reputation as a manager based on the fact that they play some sort of pretty passing football in the middle of the pitch. Like I said, they don't score goals, they don't win games, but um, but he seems to be coming out with an enhanced reputation after his second relegation in three seasons so I think he's doing quite well off the back of it doesn't surprise me that he maybe wanted to bring attention to the fact that the the transfer investment hadn't been quite as quite perhaps what he would have wanted um seeing being linked with the Tottenham job today as well so you know perhaps it, that kind of arousing speech is what the uh, the decision makers at White Hart Lane are looking for so uh good luck to him but yeah uh, <laughs> as you said Natalie I, I can't say as I was crying too many tears there for Scott Parker I, you know, I disagree with Tom a little bit on on Parker. I, I think he, t- I think he talks very, very well. Um, I agree. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't completely disagree. I think, yeah, he is overhyped. You know, he, he looks kind of fancy in his, in his nice cardigan. He plays nice football. You know, which Fulham from bo- between the boxes, they do play good football. I don't think any, you know anybody could argue with that. It's just obviously the business end that they struggle with, and ultimately why they've gone down. I think he's got a fair point on recruitment. You're seeing in the summer, he was pretty much left with a championship team and after about four or five games, he gets a load of loan players chucked in on him. And you could actually argue that with the recruitment and with a load of loan players coming in, he's actually done a good job to kind of just give him a bit of a chance to survive. And I think he was very diplomatic. I think he said we deserve to go down. 
And, you know, you talk about the, the Tottenham link. Is that not just talk sport? Just spouting the usual nonsense? Do you know, do you know like, rather than, do you know, rather than it being serious? I think he knows he's not ready for that. I think he'll go away and learn from this season. Um, be interesting to see if Daniel Farker does from Norwich because they were kind of similar played that type of football. I think Fulham are a better side than Norwich. But like in the Premier League, you've, 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 you've got to win ugly sometimes as a bit of a lower team. So I personally like him. I, you know, I always liked him as a player too. I think he's a good, honest lad. And, and I think it's good to see young English coaches coming through. Um, you know, when two relegations in three seasons, that's a bit, 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 bit harsh, Tom. So I only took like three games one season. I think that's, that's a, you know, your anti-Parker agenda is a bit... That 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 little fact was a bit a bit harsh there. And as much as we would very much like to start talking about Scott Parker and his cardigan and his uh, relegation strategy, and and weirdly, while we were off there a few moments ago, then we start all actually digressing to a conversation about whether Ranieri was lucky at Leicester. So the the podcast this week is taking um, a bit of a, a weird weird route this week, listeners. Um, but Rich, I guess now the job's done. We're safe. There's three games left. Um, would be nice to get to the 40-point mark, I guess. But other than that, where do you sit between what happens between now and the end of the season? Oh, you always want to win, don't you? Um, you know, it's, it's a football game at the end of the day. You know, you want I want to get nine points. I think I think we'll get more than 40. You know, Leeds, after the way they beat us, you don't want Leeds doing the double over us. Um, whoever gets in, hopefully, you know, Good luck to people out there. As long as I get to win the ballot, I'll be happy for other people if they win the ballot. Um, so when we play Liverpool, you know, massive, you know, t- fans back at the turf, more, you know, doing the double over Liverpool. Amazing. And then, you know, we'll beat Sheffield United away. You know, we'll beat Sheffield United. So who knows, listen, it's one of them. If we lose all three, some fans will absolutely lose the the marbles won't they over it, which I wouldn't. I'd just be kind of happy we've just stayed up this season because at times it's been difficult. You know, after that Newcastle game, I was very did did I thought we I thought we'd stay up, but you know I was just did dejected like oh, I've had enough of this. Mm. So I just you know enjoy these last three games more than anything. You know I'm looking forward to just re- re- relaxing, just enjoying it without being tense. Sit back on my couch or in my seat maybe at Turf Mark. We shall see. Um, yeah, and just I'm excited about the summer. I I genuinely am. You know, I remember when the last season finished and there was dice weren't happy. I, I was very nervous going into the season. I think that transmitted onto the players were, you know, I know we're going to mention ALK and, and and some of the ground improvements. I'm with what dice is saying. He's saying you know there's on you know there's been lots of ongoing discussions about moving forward. You know how we how we can grow it. There is going to be some investment, albeit not. You know, absolutely massive, which is cool. But yeah, I'm I'm just really looking forward to you know to kind of where we're going to progress now. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really exciting summer. Um, Tom, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's there's the arguments about trying to finish as high up as you can in the table because the difference in a couple of spaces in prize money could be the difference between getting another player or not. But at the same time, these players have worked under just the most ridiculous of circumstances this season. They've put a shift in under, you know, injury after injury and just unforeseen circumstances and, and challenges the whole season. I, I wouldn't be too concerned if they literally just didn't bother turning up for the last three games and had a break either. I, it, there's arguments for both, isn't there? 
Yeah, I think we've seen in the past which side of the line Dice falls on. I think as soon as we do get over the line, then uh, it is flip-flops on, uh, towels on the beach kind of thing. Uh, I think we've lost, thinking about this earlier, I think we've lost the last game of the season every season we've been up off the top of my head. Um, you know, I remember after we'd qualified for the Europa, that 5-0 battering against Arsenal, there was, yeah, you could tell they'd been celebrating the night before. So I'm not anticipating great things from these last three games. I think Leeds could be a bit of a bore draw. I don't anticipate us getting anything off Liverpool. Sheffield United, we might win that one just because I think we could uh, we we could be on the beach and still beat them. They've been that bad this year. I think they gave up in about February. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not I, I'm with you, Natalie. I'm not really that bothered. The, the target this season was to stay up, whether we finished seventh or seventeenth, and we've done it. So uh, I'm happy with that. Uh, stay up, stay in the league, and and we'll worry about it next season. If we, uh, you know, if we don't get another point this season, lose the last three games, I'm not really that concerned. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, how are you feeling? Are you in the ballot as well for the Liverpool tickets? I think I am as well, and, and all I think all three of us are, aren't we? How are you feeling about the possibility of Liverpool? Well, I got a bone to pick with Ooh. you about this because when we spoke about this on the podcast a couple of months ago, you were saying, <laughs> "Oh, I'm not bothered about the last day of the season. I'd rather go back when, uh, oh my God. when uh, you know, it's proper and the ground's full." So I thought, "Oh, here we go then." I thought I've got more chance here. All this lot won't be bothering. And then, oh yeah, I'm in. I'm in the ballot. Oh, brilliant! Cheers, nice one. Well, that's my that's my up and down. Then, so. Rich, we, we did. Tom, why do you listen to anything that I say? Or me? Like, have we all not worked together it long my, It was my question too to finish the podcast and I was yeah. adamant that I'm not bothered. That's hilarious. Rich, but now it's like, we've got a chance to go. But, we both definitely said that, Rich. We both definitely said that we were going to wait till next season because we wanted a full turf. Like, nah. Do you know what it is? It's that formal, that fear of missing out if other people are there. I thought, oh, I've just got to do it. But at the same time, I would take, you know, I genuinely mean this, not laughing and joking. I would, I would, I would miss Wednesday's or that Liverpool game if it meant a full house at the turf for that first game of the season, or one hundred million percent. So you'd, you'd sacrifice being able to go if we could just get everybody back for the yeah. I think I would as well. Yeah, not yeah. In in that scenario, which is hypothetical, but yeah, in that scenario, I think it's Richard as well. Yeah, no, it, it's true, and I think it... I was just going to say, I know Richard, you're you're going to do the right thing, and if you get in the ballot and I don't, you're going to give up your ticket for me. So I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not doing that. No. <laughs> no. Dog eats dog in that situation. It is. it is. It's like every man for themselves. I'm like man and woman. I'd kick Natalie into the. I'd kick Natalie into the bin for to to, to get a last ticket. Bang. Wow. Only joke. I don't want to do that. Yeah, you talk. I would be Tom, but not you, Natalie. <laughs> See. Oh, look at this. The battle lines are being drawn here. And I've I'm in I'm in Camp Rich. This is great. I love it. Um, <laughs> excellent. I've got to get one over, Tom. He's absolutely slammed me over Fulham all season. <laughs> he really has. Every time he mentioned Fulham, he's such a smug little <laughs> so and so. Every time I see a Fulham film, it's like, oh, it took me phone away like you. I just get that tweet back about that Southampton game. It's like, go on, Tom, what's that then, lad? What's that tweet there? That is so true. Honestly, listeners, if you could see the chat that goes on offline in our group. And, and yeah, so I, it, it looks at you like like butter wouldn't melt, does Tom Clarence, and he's got his fans, but he is. He's pro, he's proper winds everybody up in, in WhatsApp group. Yeah. He's really smug. And he has all the way through, he's just like, you're all wrong, Fulham are going to go down. And, like, even when we were all worried. There was a part of me that wanted to go down just to say to Tom, <laughs> I, I, I told you so. <laughs> 
Get yeah. that smug look off his face. It's a bit extra. That'd have been one solid. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Yeah, we all My ideal tonight would have been Fulham staying up for Newcastle, but that desperately went wrong. So I'm not going to make any daft yeah, predictions like that. Yeah, no, that I was... I think uh, I'll learn that. Yeah, I think I think we should have all learned very early on this season that any predictions would have been a futile to say the very best. Um, but look, it just shows, doesn't it, when you sorry yeah, when you're when, right. you, when you just judge it on him when you judge it on pure emotion. That's what, but that's why we love it in it football because of those ups and downs and what it makes you feel. And I said to my dad after the game, my dad's a bit more blase about stuff like that than me. But I was just like all the ups and downs, check-ins, forms, fixtures. Even you know you were saying about West Brom, you know they were they were starting to play better. Can they catch us? What happens if we lose every single game? Two points of seven, bloody hell, we could get lowest points ever. And then, you know, to actually secure that safety on Monday, just the main feeling I felt was just so satisfaction. I went to bed just so happy. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like relieved that we'd done it. So, but that's what it's about, in it? And it's about having that ups and downs and, you know, and that banter and those little difference of opinions. <laughs> and But ultimately, you know, the lads have done it. So, just buzzing. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Rich. You can't... You can't plateau through sport, any sport, no matter what it is, and, and especially not football. And it's it elicits such a extremity of emotions from the supporters who watch it. You can have the absolute lows and the, the massive highs. And this is why I get a little bit annoyed sometimes on social media when you express an opinion or you, you know, you 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 get caught up in the moment and you, you're allowed to say, oh my God, we're going to go down. Or, and then an hour later, it's like, oh my God, that's brilliant. And people are like, oh, you weren't saying that an hour ago. It's like, no, that's the whole point. One of the things I love about football is that it can change in an hour. There's always another game. There's always another season. And if you don't have those extremities of opinion, as long as they are just opinions, you're not hurting anybody. I think that's the best thing about football. And yeah, you know, I as much as poor Tom's been rolling his eyes for the majority of the season at some of our chat, you know, it, it, it is. It's just being able to to, to message your, your buddies in a group and go, oh, mate, we're going down. I feel horrendous. Or, you know, if we've had a really crap performance, go, that was awful, you know, with the worst side ever. That's the worst game I've ever seen. And, you know, when Robbie comes on there with his hyperbole comments and says, like, straight up worst player I've ever seen and stuff, it's that's the fun of the game. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to let off steam and... You know, I want that back because I think Rich is right. It's been a bit, we felt a bit disengaged this season and we've not, it's been a bit cold, hasn't it, watching it on the telly and not being on turf. So hopefully next season we'll get that back. Um, Tom, we've seen today as we were recording um, our new chairman setting out some exciting plans for what it's going to look like when we do go to turf next season. We're going all tech savvy. There's going to be interactive screens on outside at turf. What's going on? Yeah, it's not, it's not uh, something I'm, particularly bothered about it, I have to say I know in the uh, the survey that got sent around for the fans that there's all these questions about what kind of pies do you want what do you want uh, I don't remember it asking me about a big LED board with James Telcos's <laughs> face on outside the ground but um, <laughs> all these questions and I basically just said I'm not bothered about any of this just sign some players um, so uh, you know uh, it looks it looks cool you know it looks good and it'll be one that attracts like younger fans kind of floating fans and stuff uh, it's nice to see, you know, the the, the turf get, get a bit of a lick of pain, get modernised, that kind of thing. So I'm not uh, not opposed to the idea, but it doesn't bother me that much. It's not something that gets my juices flowing. It's not something I've got much interest in it, one way or the other. Yeah. As long as the teams are decent, I'm not bothered what the uh, the LED displays look like, to be honest. But I'm sure for some people it's uh, it's exciting. And um, I think what one thing that I did think about when I read it is, um, you know, obviously pace. Um, 
pace uh, has, has done the takeover in a similar kind of way to to what uh, the Glazers did. You know, this kind of leverage buyout, and and you've seen a lot of criticism of what they've done with Old Trafford, the fact that the stadium's not been done up or anything like that. Mm. Um, and obviously, then they, they don't seem to be doing that in the. Uh, you know, it's not something that our owners seem to be doing. They seem to be uh, focusing on the upkeep of the stadium and that kind of thing. So. That, that's good to see. It's nice to see that they're they're not just investing uh, on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. So, yeah, I, I'm happy with that. That's good. But I think you raise an interesting point in the middle of there, and, and I'm going to come to you on this, Rich, because the common theme all across social media today has to the reaction to the the ground improvements has been, we don't care, spend that money on the players, and there's been quite a bit of nasty. Um, you know, comments forwarded to the chairman as well, saying like, you don't get it, we don't want this. But actually, there's a really important commercial point in all of this, in that the Premier League is a worldwide audience and it's televised every single game somewhere across the world. And if you have the ability on the outside of your stadium to have advertising screens that can, yeah, they can be interactive for the fans and increase, you know, enhance the fan experience, but can put more advertising on there, that's how we start to generate money outside of the TV rise to pay for those players. So surely that's a positive thing that, that our chairman's looking for a different way of getting some money in. You need to unfollow some people on Twitter, Natalie. I really if do, don't I? Honestly, because I've heard nothing but, yeah, like, like Tom said, it's not, it doesn't stop me going to a game if I see, you know, Ben Me in HD on a billboard and all that stuff. But, you know, I think it, you know what? What Alan Page wants wants to do, he wants to modernise the club. He wants it to be more a- a- accessible from yeah. people just outside us who love the club for you know for what it is. We'd go on the turf in League Two in the conference, you know, it, and and he wants to reach that global audience. Like Tom was saying, he, he's done this leverage buyout. We're you know we're you know we're paying it interest back on a back on you know this debt. So who knows? These LED boards or these sponsorships, etc., could bring in new people who help, you know, pay that debt back. So what what it what what it says to me more importantly than than anything is that it you know he's in it for the long run. You know he's yeah. doing you know you know with it like with the women's team, uh, which I think is fantastic. You know, you know this is this is just another step. This is just another step in the right direction where we have been left behind. And when, when we had the, the previous boards, board, they, they wouldn't have done any, anything like this. But the most important thing, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure he knows because he's been told on, on Twitter, rightly or wrongly, if you think people should you know, say that back to him. And I agree with Tom. I answered the survey, but at the end of it, I said, Mr. Pace, it's all well and good having new food, having fancy boards, having all this but sign some players to keep us in the Premier League. So my judgment is still reserved until the summer. But since that last day in January, when it was rumoured that, you know, which, which, which seems like absolute nonsense now that Pace was buying this club and he was scrambling for money, that, that tweet come out. He's done a lot of good, positive steps in the in the last few months. So he's delivered on some stuff, he says. But listen, Dice, Dice and the lads have kept you up now. It's up to you in the summer now to back him. Stick with your word. I'm not too bothered if we sell a player because that's part of football. If you sell a player and get good money for him, and you can invest that back into the team. Then you know, if Taki goes, then you know, then then so be it. But you know, it's up to him now in the summer, innit? You know, I think like Tom was saying, 
if in the if in the if if starting in August we've we've not bettered our squad, it don't make a difference if you're seeing Ben Mee's head on on an on an on an LED board. That 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 is what it boils down to. But I can definitely see the value in it and its positive steps moving forward. Amen. Well, I think that's a very good place to end this week's podcast. Um, a good, a good rich rant. I like a good rich rant on the podcast. It's one of my favourite things to listen. to. That was to. a good rant. No, it was a, no, 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 yeah, well that was rant. That one. Absolutely. It wasn't nonsense. I don't think that. No, definitely wasn't. And please do not think that rich. It was a good rant. I, uh, I, it was, it was fully complimentary. Please do not worry. Look at that. You can tell it. It's been a long old season for the non and ever team as well. We're all just like tired now and like, oh, I can't do any more. So we are. Uh, so we are going to end it there, listeners. So let us know what you think about the. Um, changes to turf more about your hopes and expectations for the summer no doubt we'll talk about that a, a little bit more in the next um, podcast as we ease towards the end of the season I promise you team none and ever won't be on the beach we will be getting some podcasts out to you to ease us into the summer break uh, but do let us know what you think and what your hopes are you can tweet us at none and ever or you can email us at podcast at net. in the meantime the rest of us are going to stop basically showing off our animals because Rich is now getting me back for my cat playing a vital role in this week's podcast by now having his is that a pug? I think it's a pug. Um, yeah, so this is Charles. Hello Charles. He's a big Burnley fan. Hello Charles. Uh, Watches every game. Yeah, I, 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 listeners, this means nothing to you, but we've got a pug now guesting on the Non Never podcast. What a way to end. Uh, my thanks go as ever go to everybody who has contributed to this week's podcast, to uh, my colleagues Rich and Tom for their expert analysis as always, to Pickles the Cat and whatever the pug was called, I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> and Rich's pug um, for their cameo appearances, uh, to Band Joyce for their background music, which they kindly donate to us every single week, to producer Matt for knitting all of this together and getting it out there. But my final thanks go to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we will not be here without you. Um, Dave and I will be back on Friday with the preview show looking ahead to the Leeds game and the rest of the team will be back for the analysis show next week to see what happened at that game. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to go and unfollow some Twitter followers as per Rich's instructions. Uh, take care in the meantime. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.